Take your Bibles and turn again to John and chapter 10. We only read the, read the middle portion of this this morning. I want to re- read uh, from verses 1 to verse 30 this evening. Let's hear the word of God. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd of the sheep. I'm sorry, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. And I'm known by thy own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Therefore there was a division among the Jews again because of these sayings. And many of them said, He has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then verses 22 to 30 are obviously a later uh, event, but John includes them here because the theme is very similar. Now it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe, because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, 
and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Let's pray. Lord, your word abides forever. We are like the flower of the field, the fading leaves on the trees. We are mortal, we perish. But we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ, who has the words of eternal life. And Lord, as we consider again tonight what it is to be under the hand of this good shepherd, what it is to be a sheep of his, Lord, grant us understanding. Lord, let us not be blinded by our sin and by our ignorance, by our prejudices. Lord, open our hearts to receive your truth, to believe your word, and to receive the comfort and encouragement and instruction you give us. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ was well aware throughout his ministry that not everybody who heard him, saw him, saw the miracles that he did would receive him and believe upon him. We read in verse 19, there was a division among the Jews because of the sayings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of them said, he's mad, he's got a demon. Others said, that's not possible. And referring back to an incident in chapter 9, a demon cannot open the eyes of the blind. It follows from that that not everybody who thinks they may be a sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ are necessarily sheep who belong to Jesus Christ. You may remember in the Sermon on the Mount, our Lord said, Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Many, he said, will prophesy in my name. They'll cast out demons in my name. They'll do wonders in my name. But at the end of the day, he will say, Depart from me. I never knew you you who practice lawlessness. In other words, it's possible to be deceived about this matter of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and whether we are really sheep who belong to him. In chapter 10 and verse 26, Jesus says, you've been told by me, you don't believe because you are not of my sheep. Now, those words, those words may seem severe. You say, well, if you're asking us to examine ourselves as to whether we really are the sheep of Christ, then that's, uh, that's quite searching and could be disturbing and unsettling. Well, yes, it could be. It could be. But my aim is not to disturb any of the sheep of Christ this evening. But if you think that you are a sheep and you are not one of Christ's sheep, it is well to heed what our Lord says here in this chapter. It's not surprising then to find our Lord Jesus Christ here setting out before us the marks 
the clear evidences of what it is to be one of sheep's, Christ's sheep. And I say, my aim is not to shake anyone with weak faith, but to comfort and to instruct and to encourage you to establish your assurance that you belong to Christ. But we are at our best foolish. We're not wise. We're sinful. We easily wander away from Christ. We are dull. Now Christ doesn't address these particular issues directly in this section. What he does is to set out clear marks identifying who are his sheep. And that spills over to consider some of the blessings and privileges that belong to Christ's sheep. So we begin this evening where we left off this morning. Who are the sheep of Christ? Well, they are those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, who have entrusted themselves to the shepherd. Now, we mentioned that this morning, but I want to build on that a little bit this evening. We read in verse uh, 7 and verse 9, Christ is the door of the sheep. He's the gate. The only flock in the fold, the enclosure, belongs to the shepherd. He serves at the gate. But he is the door of the sheep. And he's using this rather strange picture to tell us that he is the only one we can trust. You have to trust in Jesus Christ alone in order to become one of Christ's sheep. He is the gate through whom, by faith in whom, the shepherd and the sheep enter if they would go into the fold of Christ. Every single individual sheep must enter this way. There's no other way. No other way. That's why I and many others who preach to you, we direct you to Christ. Christ alone can save you from your sins. Only in Jesus Christ is there salvation. And you will go in and go out and find pasture. And as he says in verse 10, you will have life, abundant life, because that's the intention of our Lord Jesus Christ. The thief does not come, verse 10, except to steal and kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. It's a reference to eternal life. We'll comment on that again at some other point. Sheep then are true believers in Christ. They've entrusted themselves to him and to him alone to save them. And if you have no faith, you cannot be one of Christ's sheep. This is the starting point. You must come to Christ. But then it becomes clear. There is another mark, clearly, of the sheep. They believe on the shepherd. They believe in Christ. But then there is an intimate relationship between Christ and his sheep. He says, they know me, and I know them. It's there in verse 14. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. 
a personal, intimate relationship. Now, this knowing is not merely just knowing facts. It's a deep, personal relationship, an intimate relationship between Christ and between his sheep. They are my own personal possession. They are my own, he says in verse 14. Verse 3, he tells us that they hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. He knows you. He knows your name. A real shepherd has names for his sheep and they recognize that and he recognizes them. Sheep are very strange creatures. They have their own individual traits and characteristics and a good shepherd will know those particular characteristics and will have names for them. And we read that this shepherd has laid down his life for his sheep and the sheep know that. And because they know that, and because they know him, they love their shepherd. There is that trust, there is that confidence, there is that love for him. The heart approves of him because of his heartfelt compassion. There is this two-way communication between Christ and his sheep. He loves them, he's laid down his life for him, for them. They love him because of that. And there's a special bond that every sheep understands. Because that is their experience. If you are one of the sheep of Christ, you know you have a special relationship to Christ. You love him because he first loved you. And that kind of relationship makes no sense to those who do not believe and do not understand. If you begin to talk to someone who doesn't understand the Christian gospel and doesn't understand what it is to be a Christian and you begin to talk about your personal relationship with Jesus Christ, your trust in him, you'll end up with some priest brows. They'll think, what are you talking about? I don't understand. That's not part of my experience. They may say, well, that's all right for you, but I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm glad you have that experience, but I don't have that. But Jesus Christ is very plain. I know my sheep and am known by my own. That means the Lord Jesus Christ knows you. He knows all about you. We said he knows your name. He knows your trials. He knows your temptations. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your failings. He knows your besetting sins. He knows your daily needs. He knows what it is to be your saviour. When he set his love upon you, he knew very well you were far from perfect. You were far from him. But he took you on. He laid down his life for you. Because he loved you. And he wanted to be your saviour. And you know him as such. And you love him as such. You may be comparatively unknown in this world. In fact, most of us are. Very few people really care about us. They don't know about us. Some may despise you because of your personality, because of your Christian profession. 
But Christ knows you. And you know Christ. And that's all that matters. That's the most important thing. You can say, I am his and he is mine. But there's more explained here in this chapter. You see, there's a, a third thing. Not only do we as sheep believe upon the shepherd, trusting in him, not only are we known by him and we know him, but it follows that these sheep who are the true sheep of Christ, follow him. Verse 22. It's the Feast of Dedication. As we drop down to verse uh, 25, these words of Jesus. I told you, he says, and you don't believe me. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness to me. But you don't believe, because you're not of my sheep, as I said to you. Then notice, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. They are my disciples. They follow me. That is the clear mark of the sheep of Christ. They follow Jesus Christ. They hear his voice. It's very similar in chapter 8 and verse 47. He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. He's speaking those words to the unbelieving Pharisees. They don't hear. They don't listen. Because they don't hear and they don't listen, they don't understand this voice, they don't follow. Now, take heart. If you have heard the invitation of Jesus Christ, you've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, you've heard about his death on the cross for you, his atoning sacrifice for your sins, you've heard his invitation to come to him, to repent and to believe, and you've come to him. You've come to him. He is your shepherd. You've received grace. You've obeyed that call. Your ears have been opened. What are you doing? You're beginning to follow Christ. And you continue to follow Christ. Those who love him keep his commandments. Back in verse 3, Jesus says the doorkeeper opens the, the, the door. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And they follow. That's, that's the implication. They know him. They follow him. They obey him. The sheep will run from anybody else who comes who's not their shepherd. They won't recognize the voice. The only voice they will respond to is the voice of their shepherd who knows them. And they follow him. They won't follow anybody else. That's the mark of the true sheep of Christ. But there's far more in this chapter from the lips of our Saviour concerning his sheep and concerning their, uh, the marks, their identity and the privileges and blessings. You see, there is a fourth thing here. All the sheep of Christ possess and enjoy eternal life. We've already hinted at that from verse 10. I've come that they may have life 
and that they may have it more abundantly. But it becomes very explicit in verse 28, where Jesus says in the previous verse, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, they follow me, and I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. I give them eternal life. They will never perish in their sins. I've given them eternal life, this life more abundantly. And what is eternal life? Well, in John chapter 17, when our Lord Jesus Christ begins to pray, he says to his Father, in verse 1, Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you, and you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is to know God. To know Jesus Christ, then, is to know the Father. It is, the, it is Jesus Christ who brings us, as it were, into the presence of his Father. But he has authority. Who's given him the authority? It is God who's given him the authority to give eternal life. Why is that? Because he's the one who lays down his life. He's the one who cancels our sin. He's the one who bears the wrath of God. He's the way who takes away our sin. And therefore he gives us eternal life. And we possess that life. And it can never be taken from us. And our Christian life is a, is a growing understanding of eternal life. It will become fruition when Jesus Christ returns in glory. And we are set free from our sins. And we will be able to enjoy God forever and forever in heaven. With all the saints of God. With all the sheep of Christ. But he gives eternal life He's given us the forgiveness of our sins. He's given us peace with God, the promise of glory in heaven. It's the enjoyment then of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that is of the essence of eternal life. You know God, and you enjoy fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It was Jesus who undertook, he underlines that in a previous uh, conversation that he had in John chapter 6, verses 39 to, and 40. This is the will of the Father, he said, who sent me, that of all he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. You see, our Lord Jesus Christ is thinking of what this eternal life means, and it is he who will raise us from the dead. It is he who will bring us to that consummation of this life that he has bestowed upon us. That is why he says and underlines and reaffirms in verse 28, 
You will never perish. No one is going to snatch you. No one's going to pluck you out of my hand. I have the authority. I gave you eternal life. No one has any authority, no power, no influence to take that eternal life from you. No thief, no robber, no hireling. They can't give you life, but they can't take away the life that Jesus Christ gives. You'll never perish. You are safe. You are secure for the eternity. Sometimes that assurance gets shaken by the things that we endure and experience in this life. Some of the things that happen to us shock us and shake us to the very core of our being. But nothing of our shepherd's love ever changes. His word stands. His promise is infallible. His promise reassures us. I've given you eternal life. You will never perish. No one can snatch you from my hand. Think about the hands of Christ. Are they not the hands of omnipotence? Yes, there was a time when those hands were nailed to a cross. And he did not look like the omnipotent Lord of glory. But he has now been given all authority in heaven and on earth. He is the sovereign Lord. And his power, his hand is powerful. And therefore no one can pluck you from that hand. He is full of love towards you. And there is no changing of his purposes. He will not lose any single one of you who belong to him. If he did... What would that be? What would we draw? What conclusion would we draw about the Lord Jesus Christ? He would be a liar. He would be a deceiver. He wouldn't be much better than the hirelings. Can you not trust Jesus' words concerning you? The devil can't snatch you away from the hand of Christ. Principalities and powers in heaven or on earth cannot snatch you away from Christ. Those who persecute the sheep of Christ cannot triumph over the sheep of Christ. Nothing in this present life, nothing in the future, nothing, even death itself, cannot, cannot remove you from the hands of your Savior, your Good Shepherd, he is all-powerful. He is almighty. He saves and saves to the uttermost. And if that is not enough, he goes on in verse 29 to say almost the same thing of his father. You've got a double guarantee. It's not only Jesus who saves, but his father who sent him into this world. He is the one who we are told in verse, uh, verse 29. We're told there that my Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand either. A double, gold-edged promise and assertion. It's a miserable teaching that says a true sheep of Christ can wander from the fold of God and be lost 
That's a miserable teaching. Some would say the sheep of Christ, well, then, if they get lost, it's not because Christ fails them. If they fall away, it's their own fault. Well, there's an element of truth in that. But that's not what Jesus is saying at all. What comfort is it for me to say to you, or for Christ, more importantly, to say to us, so long as you remain one of my sheep, and that's your responsibility, then you are eternally safe and secure. It's in your hands. Depends upon you. I don't know about you, but I need a guarantee against myself. And I have it here. Doubly stated, no one can snatch me from Christ's hand and no one can take me and snatch me and separate me from my Father's hand. That's the guard against me. If it were left to me, if it were left to you, and not with the power and authority and love of Christ, we'd be out the door and gone. We'd fall away tomorrow. We wouldn't last. But we have this cast iron guarantee and assertion from the Lord Jesus Christ will never perish. Here then is the assurance that we need in this very uncertain world. Our lives are very uncertain. We are so vulnerable. We're foolish. Sometimes we are silly sheep. We just go astray. And we forget our good shepherd. But here is the assurance and comfort and strength that we need. But there is one other thing. Fifthly, you see, behind all that our good shepherd says about his sheep is the assumption that in some way these sheep were his before they ever knew anything about it and before they were called to follow him. Before you heard the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ, These things were already set out and planned in the purpose of God. Before you came to know Jesus Christ, before you came to enjoy having possessed eternal life and the forgiveness of sins, something else had been going on. Something that was eternal in the mind and heart and plan and purpose of God. The Father and God the Son. You see, fifthly, our Lord Jesus Christ says of his sheep, they are those whom my Father has given to me. They are those for whom I have laid down my life. Now, I could spend another sermon quite easily unfolding that, but I want to put those two things together here because they are behind everything that the Lord Jesus Christ says as our shepherd. Long before you knew anything about this shepherd, long before your conversion to Christ, God the Father had given a vast number, we can't count them, a vast number to his Son. 
He says that plainly in verse 29. My Father who has given them to me. He has given them to me. You didn't know anything about that, did you? You wouldn't know anything about that had not Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd, told us. But you see, there is force also in what he says in our text this morning. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd gives his life. Who for? His sheep. And who are the sheep? Those whom the Father has given to him. It is a mistaken view to think that Jesus Christ died for every single individual in this world. If that were the case, then he's failed because not everybody is saved. But he has died for all those whom the Father has given to him. That's why he came into the world. The Father had given him these who were to be his people and he died in order to save them. And to give them eternal life. They would not perish. They would be his sheep forever and forever. That's why he came. And you have here then. The plan and purpose of God the Father and God the Son. In working a certain and definite salvation. For all the sheep who are Christ's. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the saviour of the world. Yes he is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But there is a special relationship that he has with all those whom the Father has given to him. In praying for his disciples in chapter 17 and verse 9, he's praying for the disciples here, the apostles. And there in verse 9 he says, I pray for them, I do not pray for the world but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Now that's the apostles. But if you turn back to chapter 6 again, and verse 37, you'll find it's broadened out. What does he say in verse 37? We turned to this passage a few moments ago, but I didn't read this verse. Verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. What is the will of the Father? That Christ dies for the sheep and atones for each and every one of them. They will have eternal life and they will never perish. That's his plan. That's his purpose. What you're looking at here then is the Father's predestinating love he loved us before the foundation of the world in Jesus Christ I can't explain that all I can do is declare it to you because it's true it's a wonderful thing and you say well I'm not sure I agree with all that the only way anyone who's ever saved ever comes to Christ doesn't lie and reside with you or with me it resides with the everlasting love of God in Jesus Christ if God does not predestine if God does not choose us we would never choose him 
Tis not that I choose you. Lord, that could never be. This heart would still refuse you had you not chosen me. And that's the wonder. When Jesus stands before us and affirms, I am the good shepherd. I give my life for my sheep. He is accomplishing a wonderful, saving purpose of God, his Father, who has set his love upon sinners like us. He dies peculiarly and definitely for all and every one of his sheep. He loved the church, we read in Ephesians 5, and he gave himself up for the for her who then are the sheep yes they are those who believe upon Christ yes they are those who not only believe but they are known by him and they know him they hear his voice they obey him they follow him they are disciples of Christ and they have eternal life and they have eternal life because the Father has given a great number, all his sheep. He has given them to Christ. And Christ has come into this world and died on the cross in the place of each and every one of his sheep. Who then are the sheep of Christ? You can see it, I think, quite plainly. Can never be those who boast they will be in heaven but live in sin and live without ever turning to Christ from their sin, repenting and believing and trusting in him. Where do you stand? I asked you this morning. Are you one of the sheep of Christ? Here are the marks. Here are the characteristics. Here are the blessings. Here are the privileges. But I tell you this evening, your salvation and mine is absolutely certain. But it is in the hand of God who shows mercy and kindness to us in Christ. But you must come to Christ. No salvation outside of Christ. You say, well, I, I, I think I am a Christian, but my faith is weak. Faith didn't. Faith, your weakness or the strength of your faith. Your salvation does not depend upon the strength or weakness of your faith. Your salvation depends upon Christ. And if you even have a weak faith, a, sh- a faith that you feel is very shaky, you're trusting in Christ. And he saves you. It is Christ who saves you. Yes, you must believe. But it is not the strength of your faith that will save you. I'm prone to wander. Remember the hymn writer? Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We are like that. We are foolish. We are dull. There are times when we forget. But look, there is someone who's got a hold on you. Such a strong hold, he will never let you go. He will never let you perish. 
Weak though you may be, foolish though you may be, Christ died for you. He loves you. And he has said, he will never let you go. He will never let anyone snatch you from his hand, nor from the hand of his Father. My salvation then, your salvation, is certain, it is sure, because of the eternal love of God and the finished, accomplished, all-sufficient work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's the confidence, the blessings and the privileges of those who belong to Christ's flock, who have him as their good shepherd. Come to him. Come and renew your faith and trust and confidence in him. And if you've never come, then come for the very first time and cast yourself upon him and find eternal life, forgiveness of sins, peace with God. Amen.